You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. Welcome back, everybody, to the Oz Network as we continue on with our ongoing coverage of Third Watch, the greatest TV show to ever be a TV show. As we move on into the seventh episode of season three, this one is called Childhood Memories. It first aired on the third of December. 2001. It was directed by Nelson McCormick and written by one of the co-creators, Mr. Ed Allen Bonero. It's a it's an interesting episode, sort of a follow-up to last week's episode, uh, kind of, you know, on the cliffhanger at least. Uh, so a bit to talk about. My name is Ben and I'm a man of the millennium. Hello, guess who's back? It's Brandy and... Okay, Ben. Nice. That's always good to know. <laughs> yes. Well, you're you're welcome. Um, but yeah, it's been a while, Brandy. It's uh, since September 10th we haven't had you on, so uh, you know it's uh, we've had a good stre- stretch of Darvell, and we're back to our OG right now of yourself. So uh, welcome back. How are you feeling? Oh, thank you. Feeling good. It's been a while. I'm excited to be back, and especially into like some n- nice episodes. <laughs> they get a bit crazier. So yeah, yeah. it's. I mean. It's kind of interesting. This this episode, I think, is a real turning point in Third Watch. I think that, um, yeah, th- I mean, w- when we get into this, I, I kind of I've mentioned a few times about this season how there's one episode to me that kind of really starts to signal that we're in a, to a different sort of show from moving forward. And I, I always kind of thought that this episode, I always got confused that this episode was a lot later. I thought this episode was after another episode I was thinking of, but. Um, in terms of kind of how it starts and everything like that. But, um, yeah, I mean, this is... I just feel this is really a, a turning point because, I mean, this is, again, another one of those episodes which is kind of about the job more so than the people, even though you would argue that's maybe a bit different than I'm anticipating because we've got a bit of Bosco's family going on. But, um, I don't know, this is where I always think that Season 3 and 4 are kind of your transitional seasons into what we're going to get in Season 5 and 6. Uh, this, this to me, is a very much a, a Season 5 episode, a vibe of that, if that makes sense. Like This this definitely feels like a, a later season episode yeah. of Third Watch rather than our sort of first two seasons, kind of just with the way they've edited this and the way they've put this together. So, And I'm not saying that's necessarily a bad thing, but I don't know. I just feel like this, this is a very important episode for Third Watch just because I think that this kind of is a real turning point for this show. You know, I, I, I have to agree with that because... Like, we were just talking off here, like, how I forgot some of these scenes, I mean, episodes happened so soon. And maybe this was, like, a, this is where they were going to go. This is, like, the way they were going to go. And, like, it just went full-blown in season five and so on. But, yeah, this does feel like a season five episode. It does. And that's why I was, like, kind of like, oh, okay, this happened, this one. Okay, this happened so soon. Okay, but it gets a little crazier, but I'm excited. And I think it does focus more on the job, more so, like, it does. I mean, I'm not. I think it's more like a more. It's just more about the principle of the job yeah. in this episode, like the morals of it. Yeah, yeah, you know? for sure. And, and I mean, I think kind of. Um, yeah, no, you're right. And it's. I think one thing to to point out is kind of we we went over a little bit about working out. You know, obviously they would have had to film some of this before nine eleven. It would have had to change around. And I think kind of what we've worked out in terms of the production codes of these episodes, according to sort of you know the lists that I'm looking at here. So, uh, assuming that the production code means that's the order that they were filmed. Uh, so, if you looked at kind of uh, what was filmed before 9-11, so as I think we worked over that, um, the real Adam 553, he said, she said, child and childhood memories, this one, these were all, in terms of production codes, done before uh, September 10th. 
so they would have obviously had to rework around and redo some of these scenes in these episodes yeah. that kind of tie it in. So I think that this this episode is technically the last episode that they would have filmed, or at least the majority of it filmed before nine eleven happened, and they had to kind of rejig and do those extra episodes. So that's I think that's kind of an important thing to kind of note as well because there's definitely some stuff in this episode which to me really feels like they did before 9-11 and they kind of had to rework the storyline a little bit um and it's kind of the kim stuff uh i just feel that like there's definitely some stuff around the kim stuff in this episode that to me is done pre 9-11 as in like well duh but like i mean as in like they filmed it and they they kind of were going to go a different storyline with it if that makes sense so um i'll get to that when that scene comes up but um yeah, so, I mean, just a few things of note there. But, uh, obviously, this is kind of a, um, I guess, a second parter of a, a first... Uh, you know, last week we obviously had the whole issue with Bosco and Yokus and uh, this girl Shaquana and kind of, you know, was she raped, wasn't she raped, was she lying, uh, this guy, AJ, was he, you know, and the kind of this whole issue around it. Then it's sort of basically been uh, sort of proven at the end in many aspects that Shaquana wasn't raped... Uh, wasn't lying, sorry, she was raped. Uh, and that AJ was lying, and basically uh, they've gone to court. Yokus has kind of taken the fall for Bosco, and essentially uh, Bosco we've seen go to AJ's house and say, if you're lying to me, I'll kill you. And then, of course, what happens at the end of the episode? We see AJ dead, which is going to lead us into um, something this episode. Yeah. Look, (laughs) I'm going to say straight from the... And I kind of said this last week. I'm just... I'm not a fan of Bosco is implied to be a murderer, and then it's sort of loosely implied that Sully and Davis might believe that he yeah. did it. Um, I knew you were going there. <laughs> yeah, I just, I'm like, we talked a lot about this in our Nip Tuck coverage uh, in season three when there's a sort of around the carver and all this sort of stuff. And there's basically a whole episode implying that Christian might be the carver and this murderer and that his best friend and kind of person who's never ever going to doubt that he's innocent, Sean, at one point sort of might believe that he could be guilty. Like, I know it's kind of done for the audience perspective, so, like, the audience has got to question it as well, but, um, yeah, not a fa- I'm not a fan of kind of when they take that with a character and kind of make you believe that they might be, like, this bastard of a person. You know, it's kind of like, if you're going to do that, kind of do it gradually, a.k.a. Doc. Um, but, like, <laughs> yeah, I don't well, know. I, I, uh, no, I get where you're coming from. I mean... I knew it was going to go there because I had the same feelings, like, especially when Faith was talking to Davis and Sully, and they were, it was just like, are you kidding me? Like, why have those two characters make it seem like they don't believe Faith or that he did it? And it's like, if anything, make it worse, IAB, and they're the ones that are, like, pushing it. Don't put Sully and Davis or any of the other characters into it. Make it seem like it really is coming up from the higher up. So when they did that, I was just not a fan of that at all. Yeah. I will get into that, but I mean, we'll start straight away because I'll you know, kind of keep mentioning the fact that, um, you know, kind of with the 9-11 stuff, we don't get a proper intro like the theme and everything until episode nine. So we're still kind of got this, um, you know, cold open with the uh, just the text on screen, but uh, we don't really have a cold open this episode. This is this again, I kind of thought this episode came after another episode that we'll get this season. And I kept sort of implying like, oh, there's one episode to me that will change this kind of into the cause of what we're going to get. I assumed it was the other one, but this comes before it. So I'm going to say it's actually this one because we open up with our montage and um, one of only two times in history that Nickelback sounds pretty decent on TV, I will say. The other occasion being in a later episode of Third Watch. 
Um, but yeah, I like it's kind of we start off, you know, with the crime scene and kind of all this sort of smart little editing of this dead AJ and kind of the flashes, the police and all that sort of stuff. And we get never made it as a white man, never made it like <laughs> good old Chad Kroger's croaky little voice and how you remind me. Like, uh, you know, it's actually kind of remember when Nickelback was sort of decent and people actually kind of liked them. That happened for five minutes in the early 2000s. I don't know if you remember that five minutes. Uh, <laughs> it's funny because I didn't know who they were. Wow. I just knew their music. That's a good thing. No, I knew their music. <laughs> I knew their music, though, like back then. Like, this is how you remind me. And, like, I think Caro and, like, a few of their, like, famous songs. And I knew the songs, like, Arms Right Open. That yeah. was a popular one. Yeah, yeah. But I didn't know who they were. And, like, I still don't really, like, know their music like that's popular now so i don't know if it's like crappy or what i just know those like main songs that are like popular mainly due to like the radio and third watch well it's, it's, it's funny you say arms <laughs> wide open because that's not even nickelback that's creed but they sound the same no um, oh, okay, okay. <laughs> don't worry it's there that kind go. of it's that late 90s <laughs> early 2000s kind of croaky rock grunt well, not grunge but um i don't know it's got a genre it kind of was it was big around that time like and third watch well, is a fair few that. of those bands I feel, um, but yeah, with arms wide open, they sound the same. Uh, so yeah, but yeah, you're right. No, I do now that yeah, you're right. Creed, yeah, okay, but yeah, no, I uh, other than that, I don't know much about them. Mm, well, I mean, so. let's be honest, they're pretty much the most hated band on the planet. Um, what? But it's it's funny. I will one thing I'll quickly say about Nickelback and Chad Kroger, which I kind of find very respectful, is the fact that I saw an interview once with Chad Kroger, and he's basically like. They said, like, oh, do you realize that you guys are, like, so hated? And he's like, yeah. He's like, we don't give a shit. He's like, people keep coming along and seeing our concerts, keep buying our CDs. Who gives a shit if some people don't like us? We're still making money. So it's kind of like, I like that attitude where it's kind of like, I don't give a fuck if people hate us. We're still, like, we've got fans and they paid to see us. So, you know, like, I mean, nice, nice attitude to have. That's the Oz Network's mantra. People hate us. Who gives a shit? Some people listen still. That's okay. <laughs> well, I, I did not know that they were the most hated. I thought... I don't know. I thought some other. I just know Justin Bieber's the most hated, and <laughs> Britney Spears was the most hated at one point. I did not know they were the most hated band. Yeah, no, so Nickel, that's Nickelback are the, the often the butt of all jokes. I actually remember there was a. Um, they came here to Australia a couple of years ago, and they were performing in Brisbane. And the Queensland police actually tweeted out a thing saying, like, wanted uh, these four men for crimes against music tonight may be seen in the vicinity of the Brisbane Entertainment Centre, and they posted like a picture of Nickelback. Um, so, like, so, so the running joke is that they can't sing or they can't. No, it's, do it's music. not. It's, that, I think the the running joke is they have terrible lyrics, um, and that every single song of theirs sounds the same. And like, look, I, I'm no Nickelback defender or fan. I will say that like this is a good song. They they did do some early songs that I mean they were huge at the beginning when they first came out, but I think they just grated on people because. I think kind of if you watch some of these videos on YouTube, there's like a video of a guy. He's like, I can write a Nickelback song in five minutes. And he legitimately just comes up with like 10 lyrics, puts a bit of music on his computer, and it legitimately sounds like a Nickelback song. Like, no word of a lie. Because their lyrics are pretty shit. Um, but so, I mean, they were before, they were before their time because, like nowadays, you can write any song with the same <laughs> lyric. Like, their song called Rack City. Rack City, like it was, uh, came out like, a couple years ago, and it was like a popular like rap, rap song my niece used to listen to, and all it was like Rap City B word, Rap City B word, ten ten something rap, Rack City, and it was like what? Yeah, <laughs> that, was, that was it made millions, and yeah. so I guess they're behind. 
Oh. It's interesting. I guess they were on. I think it's it's a secret. <laughs> I think it's a secret hatred of just Canadian music because you know Bieber's Canadian. Uh, you know, obviously Nickelback's Canadian. I think people don't like Celine Dion anymore. Um, you know, Alanis Morissette's probably not as popular as she used to be. Uh, Avril Lavigne's not as popular. Like, I mean, come on now. The world just hates Canadian music. About <laughs> she was going hard at one point. She was like no other chick I knew about, like really at the time besides like Prince Safani and a few others, but. Yeah, yeah, like no doubt. Wow, we're going backwards. We are, <laughs> we are. I'm getting you nostalgic, but yeah, th- I mean, this really is a turning point for Third Watch. It's kind of like you know, we we talked a few episodes ago. I felt like sort of about like we had the semi montage. It wasn't really a montage, but kind of um, at the closing of uh, the relay when we sort of had that. Um, the Save Me song by Remy Zero, of course, made famous sound Smallville, uh, sort of like how that closed out the episode as Yokus left the bar, but it wasn't necessarily a montage. And we've had sort of montages in the past. Uh, but, like, I mean, the reason I feel this is a change, because when you've got a, a montage with, like, no dialogue or no sound, it's just the song, and then we've got these shots and the flashes of the camera and the stuff, like, it, Third Watch will rely a lot more on this moving forward. Um, and this is why, to me, it's a transitional period, because when we do get into five and six, like, especially six, it's so heavy on these montages. And, um, you know, it, it kind of, it just, it really, to me, takes Third Watch into generic cop show territory, which, look, it works sometimes. I'm not saying it's always bad, but, like, this is a show that started started off how it started off it's so character driven and it balances all these professions so well that by the end when we basically are a cop show uh and they kind of forget about the paramedics and the firefighters you know it's kind of this is what i mean like this is really steering it into that montage heavy direction and again there are definitely some episodes with these montage this montage works i think this is a great opening i'm not saying this is a bad opening but there are some episodes moving forward where we just get random cheesy montages which you know, I'm not a fan of. So, um, I don't know. Like, I don't know if I'm being nitpicky or not. But, um, I mean, this is no. this is a rare occasion I feel this actually works. No, no, I hear you. I um, I also feel like this is the moment when they fucked up. <laughs> like, <laughs> if we can go back and be like, you're fucking up. Not because it's a bad uh, scene. The jump like, the shark moment, Brandy, maybe. Moment, this is the moment <laughs> when the music kind of messes up the DVD, like the, <laughs> the future. You know what I mean? So, it's like... You're fucking up. Do not use this music. Well, that's a good we point. It. It's, I mean, that's, 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 that's an extremely valid point because that is the long-regarded reason, and we've talked about this recently about the DVDs, is why they can't be released is because they get so heavy on the music. And, yeah, I mean, we've just covered two seasons, and, like, there again, there are songs in those seasons, but it's not as heavy and it's not affected them as much. So, yeah, like, I mean, you, you, like, I don't want to necessarily say this is when Third Watch jumps the shark. I don't think Third Watch ever jumps the well, shark. No, not like that. Just the music-wise. Yeah. I just wish I could be like... Go back, like you're fucking up. Don't, don't like keep yeah. the scenes the same. I don't care what you do. Just pick different music. And it's, and it's not, and, and but it's not just like I mean, you know, Darvell and I talk a lot about ER, but like ER started doing this a lot too towards the end as well. So and it's just, it's just kind of like I guess a show's got to keep fresh. A show's got to try and remain relevant. I understand yeah. that. Like I mean, as somebody who's covered, you know, Survivor for how many years and follows this show, which has been on air now for you know nearly eighteen years. Um, the fact that the amount of time that that show's changed sort of subtly, but, you know, it's not the same as it was when it first aired, but it's still thoroughly entertaining and watchable. And Third Watch is still going to be a great show right to the end. It's just going to have a lot, like, we've had currently, what, about 15, 14 bites in a row, 
you know, come the end of this season, the end of this show, we're going to have a lot more binnets in that final season, I feel. So, I mean, it's just kind of, just the development of a show. And as I always say with Third Watch, even the bad episodes, I'm still going to watch over, you know, better episodes of some of these other shows that I've watched over time and kind of, you know, when we eventually get to season six and what we're going to be getting is 30 of these montages every single episode. Um, you know, I'm still going to enjoy that more so than some other shows. Well, maybe not the vampires, but we'll get to that. Um, but yeah. Maybe that's why I do Grey's Anatomy. She got used to the whole music and the montages because Grey's Anatomy <laughs> does that like later on. Well, Grey's Anatomy like, was on. that. I remember actually, we're, we're already on a tangent, but like I've always hated Grey's Anatomy, but I remember, um, <laughs> You know, because when it first came out, how big it was and kind of um, the whole McDreamy storyline. And then they they timed it really well. I think I watched the scene on YouTube. My mum used to watch the show. And they had um, that, it must have been a finale or something, and it must have been something to do with McDreamy, but they had that Snow Patrol song, you know, if I lay here, if I just lay here. Like, <laughs> that song got so popular and big based on this one scene in Grey's Anatomy that it just, it just skyrocketed. Yeah, yeah. So I remember that... Um, ER tried to, like, poor old ER, like, you know, it's the granddaddy of these shows, and by this stage it'd been, like, I guess, eclipsed in popularity by Grey's Anatomy. So they, in their finale <laughs> that season, got the other Snow Patrol song um, that had kind of come out after, I think that's Chasing Cars, isn't it? Um, so they kind of uh, got the other one, and they did their finale where I think somebody had been, like, tied to a gurney and was being, like, kidnapped. So they played this Snow Patrol song and... Yeah, it was kind of like, dude, you're just trying too hard to be Grey's Anatomy now. Like, this is not a good moment for ER. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> it's funny because, like, I believe, speaking of the Snow Patrol song, I think there's one song where Kim Raver is actually singing. Like, she, they actually do a benefit in real life as well. But in a show, they have, like, this episode, like, one of the characters gets into this huge car crash. And so, like, all the characters, like, sing throughout the episode. And Kim Raver is in that episode as well. Right. And it's just funny. Yeah, it's just now. Yeah, I was like, huh, maybe that's why she enjoys Grey's Anatomy so much. <laughs> the music and like the montages, and <laughs> she doesn't enjoy Grey's Anatomy. To me, she only did that because she needed some work, and she hated working on the show. That's what I want to believe. Then um... I'm so surprised you know about McDreamy, though. <laughs> oh, everyone knows about me. It's just one of these things. It's like you know, I don't watch Game of Thrones, but I don't know who Jon Snow is or um. Oh, Joffrey, just- the little shit. Like, I know who these people are, like, without having to watch the show. I guess that. It's like, I'm sure that people who don't watch 24 know who Jack Bauer is, you know what I mean? It's just kind of like a thing. Um, but, yeah. Yeah, the name. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, anyway. So we, we start off with Nickelback <laughs> and this crime scene, and, yeah, Third Watch is officially changed, people. It's not, it's not going to be the same every single episode. Like, you know, we actually do get a good run of episodes coming up where we don't really have montages moving forward, but... um. Yeah, this is this is where we are really steering into what this show will become in the in the later seasons. So just remember this moment, as Brandy said, this show is forever changed. Really, from this Nickelback, Nickelback changed Third Watch. Let's be honest. Uh, <laughs> there <laughs> we go. Now we have a reason to hate him. Big call, okay. big call. Nickelback changed Third Watch. As soon as we hear <laughs> how you remind me, Third Watch is in different territory. Um. So, I mean, I do like the editing, though, kind of like how you see all this crime scene and then you sort of just see all the cars disappear and then obviously they drive off. But uh, here it's banging on the door and um, we're at uh, the Yocus uh, residence and we've got Detective Hall in Newcastle. Uh, they're looking for Bosco. Apparently he lives with Faith and Fred now. I like kind of Yocus's line. Like, what do you think, he lives with us? Um, <laughs> and basically we, uh, they need her to come down 
to the station for some questioning and uh, they will threaten to get a supervisor because apparently they're allowed to do that. Um, then we've got Bosco. He's drunk. He's at his mum's bar. Rose is back. Yay. Paddy D is back. Hello, Paddy D. We missed you. Uh, but this is kind of like one of the, again, it kind of comes down to the fact that even as the audience, we're meant to kind of believe, oh, maybe Bosco did it. Because he's all like, oh, I messed up, mum. Not like this. Um, it's like, come on. Um, I do also like the fact, I love how Rose calls him Maurice. Come on, Maurice. Like the way she says his name. Um, you know, nice back and forth between between the pair, you know. Just always good to, we always love Rose Boscarelli, don't we? She's one of the best side characters in the show. Absolutely. I mean, I would say Bosco's mom and Kim's mom, I are two, and Ty's mom. They're like three of my favorite moms on the show. Yeah. In terms of like the characters' moms. Yeah. No, I agree with you there. Kim, um, Kim's mom grows in you, and I, I like Taylor's mom when she comes into it. She's only in it for I think like two episodes, isn't she? But um, I like Taylor's I mom. Taylor's mom. Oh wow. She's um she's been in a lot of things. I think we were actually in some of our Lost episodes recently. Um, she was in she I think she was like Jack's mom in Lost. So like she's always the perennial mom in TV shows. So um yeah, I like Did Taylor's she mom. I'm kidding. I don't, I don't, well, no, because I got into Lost, like, for, like, five seasons or four, and I, or, I don't know, but I just stopped watching after a while. I don't you know why. Lost. I just, I think so. It's, it's definitely, it is definitely a show which warrants a, a re-watch, because, like, when you watch it back-to-back, rather than, like, week-to-week, it, it just makes so much more sense, and it's really well-constructed. There are definitely gaps in it, but, um, you know, as there are with all TV shows, um, yeah. so anyway, uh, he's talking to his mom, then meanwhile, Jokas is back with Fred, and, uh, you know, obviously they kind of have this argument, uh, you know, Fred's saying there's more in your world than Maurice Boscarelli, um, and kind of, you know, she's sort of saying that she'll be there for him, but then obviously Fred mentions about the fact that, well, he's not there for your appointments, and like, oh, she still hasn't told him about the cancer, um, so there's kind of that, uh, meanwhile, Bosco, we see Bosco's mum's house, uh, he's, he's Paddy D's house, um, subtle little scene of him closing the window, that'll come back into it a little later on, and, uh, he's old Rose having a hair of the dog, putting whiskey in a coffee, she's smoking inside, remember the days when people smoked inside, um, you know, I remember my parents smoking inside when I was younger, randomly, um, but, uh, yeah, so, uh, obviously, uh, they're just talking about mistakes and kind of, uh, you know, you can't accept that you make uh, mistakes. Uh, just a nice little scene between these two again, kind of implying, oh, is Bosco guilty? Um, and then he said, I, I don't get this. He says, I need to use the phone. I need to call work. Now, he calls him work. Obviously, we're going to find out that he calls in sick. They've got detectives looking for him who have showed up to his house at, what, two in the morning. They've gone to Yokus's house. Surely, like, there's a message at the desk saying, oh, when Bosco comes in, or if Bosco calls, tell the detectives. Like, I don't know. I feel there's a bit of a plot hole here. Either they're very stupid police here at the NYPD, or just for some reason Bosco can quickly go, oh, hey, calling in sick, bye, and then just no one gives a shit. (laughs) (laughs) Just something I I noticed. I... Didn't think about that. I just know he called in sick, but just, just, that's a good point. <laughs> but, I mean, but I mean, like, they're going to Yokus's house at two in the morning. Surely they've got to realise, like, he's not married. Oh, okay, his mum. We'll go and see his mum. 
you know, have you seen Bosco? Like, if he's legitimately wanted for murder, they're going to search. The, like, we see this. Like, we see this in this episode that Yokus kind of goes to the ends of the earth to try and find this random, you know, prostitute to get questioning. Like, they're doing... You can see why Yokus eventually becomes a detective. She's doing a better job than the detectives. Uh- <laughs> so I felt like it should have been a stronger, like... I think they were kind of focused more, like you said, on... Davis and Sully and, like, the cops seeing if he did it or not versus, like, the detectives. Like, it should have been stronger on that part, I believe, yeah. but, yeah. They focus too much on, like, yeah. <laughs> and I'm not complaining because I think it's maybe some of the strongest stuff of this episode with Bosco. Like, I like the fact that they focus on Bosco's family, but I feel like there's a better Absolutely. way they could have done it. It just, I don't know, like, I mean, really picking apart the plot holes and the fact that if he's legitimately wanted for murder to be questioned, they're going to do, like, I mean, again, they're showing up to Yogi's house at 2 o'clock in the morning. Well, like, I mean, you know. You know, I mean, they're going to put a tail on Yokus and everything. Like, it's going to go down, yeah. but, yeah. They're, I mean. shit, they're shit detectives, because we'll see that at the end, that they just get played by a beat cop in Yokus. So, I mean, you know, I think kind of that, like... Yokus is a badass, though, at the end, though. I love... I just love the ending with Yokus and the rookie. Yeah. <laughs> Detective Hall and Newcastle suck. Um, bring back Detective Tancredi. I don't know where he's gone. Um, but uh, where's where's Jelly Grimaldi? Like, season six, Jelly. We We love Jelly. Come on. Um, oh, man, I forgot about him, but yes. Oh, anyway, we'll... we'll... <laughs> I mean, like, I didn't forget, like, but you know what I mean, like, it's been a while, like, I didn't, he didn't, hasn't hit my mind in a while, so hey, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll just Jelly. kind of go on the ineptness of the NYPD. I love the NYPD, but in this episode, the detectives, when we legitimately have an episode in season six called The Greatest Detectives in the World, because that's obviously like a slogan for the NYPD, that they're the greatest detectives in the world. Um, not in this episode, they're not. They're the shittest detectives so, in the I was about world. to say, except for these ones. <laughs> except for Newcastle on Hall. Like, no wonder I don't think we see... I'm not going to say we definitely don't see them again, because I've said that about 30 characters so far here in Third Watch, and they keep popping up. <laughs> um, so, yeah, anyway. Um, yeah, yes, sometimes. Probably, probably. Um, but, the, okay, so we get into this, and this is this scene with... I, I reckon this was done, like, before anything 9-11 related came on, because... You got to remember when we last left Kim, last left Kim at the end of season two, she's still a complete utter wreck. She's still locking herself in a room and kind of, you know, not talking to anyone. Um, so I think kind of it's it's interesting that I feel this scene maybe um, they did earlier, like they did this kind of storyline in preparation maybe for an earlier episode pre nine eleven. Um, and the, the, I know they tie in 9-11 stuff because obviously Kim's back at work at this stage because, you know, she came back to work for 9-11 and she's obviously, you know, been working with Doc. We've, you know, seen that obviously with the relay and, uh, you know, great episode uh, a couple of episodes ago, Adam 553. So we know Kim's back at work. But I don't know. I just feel this scene feels very out of place because in our eyes, Kim's kind of slightly back to normal. Um sort of, yeah. but, like, I, I can get it. Like, still, just because you seem like you're back at normal doesn't mean you necessarily are, but I don't know. I feel that, like, this... this, And it kind of feels a bit weird with this weird music, this guitar they're playing and kind of Kim's, you know, cleaning. She's calling her an attorney. Um, and you just kind of like what she's doing here and kind of... I don't know. To me, I reckon they've kind of filmed some of this. They've crossed it. They've chopped it around with some newer stuff they've filmed in this episode. Uh, that's just my two cents. I don't know if you kind of got that vibe. I don't know kind of if you've been following these episodes along with us at all, Brandy. But, yeah, I just feel that this... No. It's the way they've kind of interchanged this. It's This is kind of was meant to be done previously. For me, personally, I'm kind of happy I didn't follow... I never cared for this... Plot, this plot. Yeah, I thought you did. I remember you talking about that last season. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I never cared because like I just felt I don't know like with 
just for like her suicide, that was powerful. I have no problem with that. But I just, I don't know. I just can't stand to have fact that like again, Jimmy a couple seasons ago was divorced father at one point, and like now Kim makes one mistake, and it's a huge one. But it's like, what about the family thing? Like Third Watch is such a big family, but I just wish like they, I don't know. It's just a TV show. I mean, it's just me overreacting. But I'm like, what, where's everybody at though? Why is nobody coming to like Kim's side? Like, are you good? Are you okay? Like, can we help you with anything? Like, yeah. It's like she's alone in this, you know? I just never cared for, like, how they handled it, especially since Third Watch is supposed to be, like, a big family. And Kim is, like, going through this alone, period. And it's, it's yeah. I, so, I, agree. Um, I I definitely agree with a lot of what you're saying. I think it's kind of, it's a, it's a very interesting viewpoint, kind of, because, yeah, she is kind of very alone throughout this. Um, and I guess she's been treated differently just because of um, what she did. And I kind of think that this is maybe one of those rare occasions where um, this show maybe is a bit dated because... You know, I think kind of issues around mental health and, and suicide have, have um, mm-hmm. improved significantly in, you know, the 16, well, 17 years. Yeah. You know? In, I mean, she's kind of been treated down because of what she did, whereas, yeah, 16, 17 years later, I think this would be done differently. Um, sure. But but at the same time, I also think it's, it's done well in the fact that it kind of it really does show that pure and utter loneliness and helplessness that people would feel in that situation. So um, I think it's a fine balance. And, I mean, just cannot give Kim Raver props enough. And this, I mean, I think we really have undersold how deep and powerful this storyline is. I mean, you know, I mean, how often do we have in TV shows, primetime TV shows, that you have a major character attempt suicide and then they kind of have this whole sort of issue around it, you know, like... It is powerful. Yeah. yeah, I mean, kind of as we had her admit, you know, in a couple episodes ago that she did try to hurt herself cut after denying it for so long. Like, it would have been so easy for them to just write into the fact that, oh, no, she didn't really do it. It was an accident. No, we wouldn't really have her try and kill herself. Um, exactly. That was shocking that they didn't do that, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think it's just, it's you know, and, like, I'm kind of with, like, I think the interesting, like, we talked about this, I feel, last episode or episode ago, Darvell and I, about, you know, Jimmy's mistakes and everything, and he Kim makes one. But I think kind of the important thing is, which we'll get next episode, is kind of this is this is reference. This is kind of Kim's point to stand up and be like, "Well, dude, hang on a minute. Yeah. Let's not forget about this, 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 this. I made one mistake." Um, but like Jimmy has Jimmy has changed uh, as we've kind of established, really. Um, you know, since he sort of cheated on Brooke, poor Brooke. Um, you know, he's kind of <laughs> he's almost Mister Normal, um, but. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I the thing I like most about this storyline is that we kind of get Kim and Jimmy doing something decent this season, and I think kind of, um, you know, they get a good storyline. I think kind of, you know, season one was all sort of about the will they, won't they, oh, they're still in love with each other, oh, look at the chemistry, oh, they're doing each other, oh, no, they're not, um, you know, so there was that. <laughs> season two was kind of, you know, Jimmy and that, they're kind of, they were, they were the most separate they will ever be in season two. And because, you know, Jimmy's obviously getting married and Kim kind of has, you know, Kim's hope chest where she's sort of finally, I guess, putting it all to rest so she can move on from him. Um, but then he fucks it up and then she obviously kind of loses her bestie in Bobby. <laughs> rest in peace, Bobby. Uh, so then kind of season three is kind of like, I just like the way they develop their arc, Jimmy and Kim. Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I have no problem with that one. I just hate how they handled it. Like, but, but- but then again, like you said, it's probably like the way it's outdated. If it was done now, it'd be differently because clearly she has PTSD. Oh I yeah. Mean, but it's probably, what I love, I think I she's also got depression too. 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 Like it's a mixture of everything. Sorry. Yeah. Continue. Yeah. Exactly. But what I love is like as soon as like the nine eleven, like with that happening, it's like she, they didn't make her like it even more victim. Like it's like she found her power. Yeah. 
from that. It's like, you know, like Bosco Relly, like he has his own issues. A lot of them have their own issues with 9-11, right? Yeah. But with Kim, what they did was that they gave her power from it. And yeah. they were like, you see her like pushing back in and like suddenly it's like she's back to normal almost. And the second, I will say like this is like one of the turning points, like you said, for Jimmy and Kim, like for over later for like the later seasons. Like this is like one of the turning points. And what is what is great about, you know? yeah, you're right. And I think kind of what is really good about what this show does and kind of how we were mentioning earlier this season about how no TV show dealt with third uh, with September 11 in a fictional standpoint better than Third Watch is the fact that they don't overdo it to the fact that every single one of these characters is like, you know, like just suffering, like, you know, because everyone's going to handle it in their own way. But the way they kind of like exactly. keep it on, like, you know, I mean, really the, the three that are affected the most, of course, are Taylor, Doc and Bosco. And they all come in different yeah. waves, like Taylor and a dad and kind of we kind of get more of a payoff of that soon. Bosco will get some great stuff with him about how much that affects him, which is kind of like mm-hmm. you just do not expect it. Do this will affect Bosco? And then obviously Doc oh, is a lot more yeah. of a slow burner. Um, so, you know, you've got to wait till <laughs> season five for kind of that. But I'd argue there's something coming up in this season which affects him more so than 9-11. But, um, you know, we're only about two episodes away from that great episode. But, um, yeah, I think... Anyway, um, but, uh, yeah, I think kind of... Yeah, you're right with all the Kim stuff. And, um, yeah, I mean, Kim Raver just, just such a great actress. She's so good. Um, and we're going to give props to Eddie Sibrin in this episode because I think kind of both of them really shine in their acting abilities in these upcoming episodes, particularly there's one scene in this episode, which we'll get to. But, um, yeah, so, like, I, I kind of think that this scene, it feels a bit weird. It feels a bit honky. I don't really like the music. It kind of, I don't know, just feels a bit out of place for Third Watch. Kind of, again, we're transitioning into this new era of the show, but it's still, it's not absolutely the worst thing yet. Um, so, anyway, there's that. Uh, she's all, you know, calling a lawyer and all that sort of stuff, as we mentioned, trying to get some updates. But, uh, meanwhile, back at the, uh, the cop shop, we've got Carlos showing up, obviously. Uh, you know, he, he believes Davis is gay, uh, so he's kind of told him he doesn't want the apartment anymore. But he's found one. He's found a, a place up on 98th uh, for 1500 a month or 1600 a month or whatever it is, 1700 $850 each a month, I've written here, that they get. So the math there is 1700 a month. Um, so then kind of like, you know, David's just basically like, look, you know, I'm a man of the millennium. It doesn't matter about your lifestyle choices. Uh, I kind of like, I like how like he walks in and Davis is getting changed and he kind of turns away and then he's like at the sink and he's just standing next to Sully brushing his teeth. It's just like a random little scene that I just love. Um, and then kind of, you know, Davis like, oh, don't I ever get to see it first? And he's kind of like, dude, you know, it's a great apartment. So he signs up to it. Um, and then he's just kind of like, oh, you know, about company, you're not allowed to have anyone over. And, you know, David's like, dude, you're not going to tell me who I can't and can't have over. Hell no. Um, and he's like, okay, fair enough, you know, have the door closed. Oh, you think I want the door open? Um, so I just love Davis when he's all like, you're an odd man. And, and Carlos, right, and you're the normal one. Like, you know, homophobic Carlos, uh, as he just walks off. And I kind of like uh, Sully. What does he say about, like, oh, does he have all, all you know, is he all sane there or whatever? He's like, oh, I don't think he's got all the oars in the water or something like that. Like, just like. I don't know. Just a fun little scene. And then we kind of add that with Carlos in the firehouse. We've got Jimmy and Taylor cooking some grilled cheese. Um, and then kind of, you know, he's like trying to steal Jimmy's grilled cheese. And Jimmy's like, no, because Kim's downstairs, wants to talk to you. Again, this is another reason why I feel like this is um, pre-9-11 around when she's not at work. Because why is she waiting downstairs like, oh, I want to talk to Jimmy. Like, she's if she's working, if she's back on the job, can't she just walk upstairs and like, Jimmy, I need to talk to you? So, like, that's kind yeah. of 
where you know it's it's to me it feels as though this was done before all that if that makes sense so this is just another one of those scenes and like i think the thing that i'm trying to point out is i'm not trying to complain and nitpick and say this doesn't make sense i think this is just one of those real eagle eye things you've got to pay attention to if you're watching this back to back my point is they make it work it still feels like it's part of the storyline but if you're kind of reading through the lines i just feel that this was done beforehand if that makes sense Huh. No, no, I'm agreeing. I mean, it's just crazy because, like, if you didn't point it out, I didn't really think about it. Because, like, when you're – it's such a good show. Like you said, they do it so well that you don't really see it unless, like, you're analyzing it. And I didn't really think about that. But you're right. Like, now that you're saying it, it's like, yeah, she was back to work and she was doing helping out. And now it's like she hasn't even – been back to work in weeks you know like she hasn't yeah this is this is not like i mean one of these i think i said at the very beginning the third watch kind of just gets very loose on its plot holes and that's more of a later season thing but like this isn't a this isn't a plot hole or anything it's just kind of it's just a subtle little thing because they make it work they tie it in this is like they very intelligently write it and look i i could be completely wrong brandy i might just be reading into this trying to nitpick it and you know we'll get guy norman b on the show or Ed alan bonero and they're like oh we listened to your show and you were so wrong like i mean you know i don't know um but i mean (laughs) i'm just yeah, like, oh, look, by all means, please, if Ed, Ed Alan Bonero wants to tell me I'm wrong, John Wells, please, I'd be honoured to be told that I was wrong by um, these guys. So, um, by all means, do it. But I, I wanted to say, though, I love just, just random Carlos here, and he's just, like, going on with the grilled cheese, and then Taylor drops it, and he picks up, no, 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 10-second rule, man, just, like, picks it up and just... I love Carlos so much. Uh, it's just so funny. Um, but, yeah, I don't know if you've got any... Oh, I guess I'll cap it on this bit here where, um, you know, Kim's talking to, to Jimmy and, you know, I want Joey back and kind of they're sort of back and forth, you know. And Kim's got a valid point. Like, we've still got shared custody. Like, you know, we haven't... Nothing's changed. Like, you haven't won the court case. Um, so, you know, um, yeah, I, I don't know if you... It's, it's an intense little scene. They have... The thing with, I think, Eddie Sibrin and Kim Raver is they work so well off each other when they're, like, making out and having sex, and they work so well off each other when they're yelling at each other. They've just got great chemistry, these two. Um, but, yeah, anyway, uh, there's a lot to talk about in what I've just gone over. I don't know if you've got really anything to add on kind of any of those scenes. No, I just like, like, in that moment when he's like, I don't want this to get, just want this to get ugly, and she's like, it already is ugly. Like, I just, like, you know, like, right then and there, it's about to go down. I mean, other than that... There's not much to talk about because it plays out throughout the next episode or so. Yeah, so. yeah, exactly. Um, we've got Sergeant Christopher, the dick, he's back, Dushnoz or whatever you want to call him, talking about Jokas being late and uh, Bosco calling in sick. Um, and then I just kind of like this back and forth when, like, you know, Christopher's, like, talking about it and everyone's just kind of going, like, he's got a bug. Yeah, maybe one's going around. Hmm, yeah, you know, just, you never know. This, things get serious. <laughs> and Sergeant Christopher's just like, you guys are cute. You know, when he comes back, he's going to be suspended, you know, pending his investigation. He kind of leaves. And then, um, obviously, Davis and Sally have no idea about, you know, Bosco possibly being a murderer. And uh, Sally, because Jokas is like, oh, I thought you guys knew. And Sally's like, no, just like any excuse to bust this guy's chops. Um, so this is kind of when Jokas is obviously saying to Davis and Sully about, and this is kind of where, like, they sort of have a bit of an inkling. Is, oh, what if he did do it? And it's like, I just don't, like, no, come on. Like... I mean, I know Sully doesn't necessarily like Bosco, but I mean, really, I don't know. <laughs> I just, I know it's kind of not completely, you know, implied, but even Davis kind of jumps to the conclusion straight away, doesn't he? They do. I, 
Oh man, we can go at this forever. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a I'm not a fan of just them implying, even if it's just a passing comment. I'm, like, sure, you've got to question it, but like, let's go back. No, let's I, go back last season even... when Davis was so adamant that Sully was uh, innocent in the you know the um, the episode where he thought that he was might have been dirty uh, back in uh, Judy that was, um, and you know Sully you know sort of turned out to be guilty. Yet, uh, you know, Davis was 100%. Oh, no, he didn't do it. He couldn't do it. Like, and obviously that's kind of what Jokers is doing here. But, I mean, did we get Jokers and Bosco saying, like, oh, maybe Sully is dirty? Like, I don't think we did. No, so, no, yeah. that's what I'm saying. Like, it shouldn't be questioned. Again, like, I feel like it had been more stronger if they focused on IAB, like, coming down more so than, like, when uh, Officer, was it Officer Down or off? I forgot what it was. I think it was Season 1, Episode 15, Officer Down, when Davis shot the innocent man and it was like iab like yeah. how strong that was how strong that was i feel like that would have been a good good one good case in this episode as well if iab coming down instead of Sally and davis questioning him you know it, i'm not just saying we care for it. i think we both can agree like this was we just didn't care for it mm. you know yeah yeah no i, I completely, yeah. completely agree um yeah. but obviously you know kind of uh they sort of mentioned in regards to um oh you know We'll keep an eye out today. We'll, we'll speak to Maisie, uh, one of the prostitutes that they obviously deal with. You know, did she see anything? And kind of, we'll get that in a minute as they obviously hunt around a little bit. Um, meanwhile, we have uh, Bosco show up to a bar. Now, this is kind of an important scene, I feel. Um, so Bosco shows up to a bar. He asks for Michael Boscarelli. And we kind of have the guy behind the bar, you know, like, oh, never heard of him. It's like, I'm his brother. I just want to talk to him. It's like, oh, he's in the head. Now, like... That's such an American thing, isn't it, to say he's in the head? Like, I always see that in TV shows and movies. We don't say that here in Australia. We don't call the toilet the head. Like, I don't know if you know I, about I that. can't tell you. I don't know if that's, a, if that's pub talk or that's, like, men's talk. I don't know. I don't call it that. So I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It was just a, just a random thing that I've always noticed in this. But anyway, so Bosco goes into the bathroom. We see a guy doing drugs. He's sniffing some coke. Who is it? It's Michael Boscarelli, a.k.a. Charlie Day. Movies Charlie Day. He's a big star now, old Charlie. Um, but uh, this is our this is our first appearance, is it not, of um, of Mikey? Uh, we've, we've had reference to him before. But um, one thing I will say I do like about uh, Michael Boscarelli, because we know he's obviously going to come into Season 5 as, as pretty much a, a main character. Well, not a main character, but he's in at least, what, four or five episodes in Season 5. Um, but... They they keep him around, like as in like he comes back a good two seasons later as the same actor, and it kind of it's not like you know Kim's mum who they just recast after one season, Bobby's mum they recast after one season. This is a whole two seasons later, and they manage to still keep old Charlie Day on board, um, and even kind of like with his dad at the end of this episode, um, who I mean you could argue like I mean it's definitely a different actor to the guy we'll get in season five, but I mean you know there's maybe a bit of you know explanation about that because we technically don't see his face but um yeah I, I don't know just a quick note here we meet this team michael boscarelli bosco's brother do you like mikey I, uh, I don't know i didn't i don't i know he's a huge storyline with bosco and a, another major character down the line but i don't remember much to be honest about him oh well you you'll remember it when you get to it he's definitely one of these ones that you'll get to because it really is a is a big thing and kind of i mean he's he's in one more episode this season and uh then he's three episodes sorry in season five um but i mean yeah, it's, I do it's like what happens and i remember like how big the storyline is i just yeah it's it's kind of like we get basically what happens at the end of season five and kind of leading into season six 
is pretty much around Michael Boscarelli. So, like, they they make a big mm. deal out of him and kind of what will happen with it. But um, I like I think these two look like brothers. Can I just say Jason Wiles and Charlie Day definitely look related? Um, I don't know. They just, they've got a look about them that he... Charlie Day definitely looks like a younger Jason Wiles in some aspects. And I kind of like the way they bounce off each other, the way he kind of, like, walks in and he's all like, um, you know, oh, another Hallmark moment. Um, and then they just kind of have this conversation. He's trying to find dad and we find out that their dad drives a cab and, um, you know, talking about like affording a lap dance and, you know, things like that. And he pages him and, you know, gets his number and, um, you know, he's sort of saying like, oh, let it go, let it go. Um, does he call him Mo here? Because I know we eventually we'll call him Mo. I like how he calls him brother Mo. Um, but, um... Yeah, he's basically telling him to let him go, I have, and Bosco's like, oh, I haven't let it go. So he's just basically getting the contact details of his dad because he wants to see him. But, yeah, we'll see We'll see Michael in a few more episodes of time. Um, is it is it even that long? It might be only like two episodes of time. Uh, no, it's about three episodes. Episode 11, Old Dog's New Tricks, we'll see him again. Um, but, yeah, just Charlie Day. Like, this is kind of another one of these moments where a star of the future is in third watch. So there you go. Charlie Day, who, I mean... The guy has been in, you know, so many things. I mean, I think he was like a major star in what It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. I think kind of that's where a lot of people know him from. Uh, I believe he was in the Lego movie, that new Vacation National Lampoons movie they did. Um, he was in Pacific Rim, uh, Monsters University. Uh, yeah, he's like, he's just been in a lot of things. Yeah, Horrible bosses. Huge, yeah, yeah I, I mean, he's not like... I'd, I'd argue Bobby Cannavale is a bigger star than Charlie Day, but Charlie Day's still up there. He's no like I've actually seen random things on the internet like Charlie Day fandom and like you know kind of all these like obviously he's kind of well liked yeah, amongst yeah. a lot of like girls on the in the internet and stuff like that. So uh, and some guys too. I shouldn't just you know it's twenty seventeen slash eighteen depending when you're listening to this. Um, so yeah, Charlie Day, <laughs> big star now. Uh, here he is in Third Watch. Um, Early days. We'll get some even more bigger stars, and particularly one big star in the next episode, but we'll get to that. Anyway, so um, we have... Uh, they're back on the street, uh, and uh, Jokas is with Gusler, who I don't think we've had your opinion on Gusler yet, uh, Brandy. I talked a lot about to Darvel, but Gusler's like one of my most favourite random little characters in Third Watch. He's only in it for, I think, what, like... I think we worked out about eight episodes, ten episodes... Um, but I don't know. I just, I just really love Gusler. Uh, seven episodes to be precise. What, what's your opinion quickly on, uh, <laughs> Officer Steve Gusler? Not much. Cause I didn't, I don't remember him as much. I just know I see him from this one scene and isn't he a, kind of like a dick or not? No, no he's just, he... he's just very naive and shy and kind of very like just a real okay. rookie and kind of out of his element. And like, that's all we're getting from him at the moment. Kind of everyone's just walking all over him and going off at him and kind of, you know, we're getting, getting him here being flirted by the, the, the street work and this sex work. I, I don't know the politically, I do know the politically correct term, um, sex worker, but I guess we can still call them prostitutes, hookers. They're going to call that in this bloody show. So yeah, yeah, no, I mean like, I like, I just I know I like the ending, but I don't know. I don't remember much in terms of. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, he he, <laughs> he, he will sort of become a, a player in this season. The fact that there's a storyline involving him, which um, yeah, I mean, you feel bad for the guy. And Charlie McWade, he's just he plays this real naive kind of like out of his element cop so well. Um, and he gets some great stuff this season. He really does so well, Charlie McWade. Um, and he's definitely one we'd love to get on the show. Who knows, by the time you listen to this, we might have already gotten him on the show, I don't know. But, um, yeah, um, but I, I like him, and I kind of like this scene where, obviously, they're like, 
you know, driving around and speaking to the girls and kind of, you know, questioning, trying to find Maisie and just like the ones who are kind of like flirting with, uh, with Gusler, you know, like, oh, who are you, cute? Oh, leave him alone. He's just a baby. Um, it's kind of like, oh, I think she likes you. Uh, this is why I think Darvell was telling me about how he always laughs at this scene. So yeah, it's, it's funny. I, I like Gusler. Gusler's fun. Um, so anyway, um, we then have Sully and Davis. They're under a bridge near a car, and uh, basically we've got a gangster blocking the car, but he says, like, we need to get in, and here we do is we find a guy having sex with a woman. Fair enough. Um, he's called Daddy. Uh, wh- why wouldn't he be? Um, and basically they're trying to uh, find out where um, Maisie is. Um, and he's basically saying, oh, I told her to keep walking, not to say anything. Uh, and then, you know, I love Davis and Sully there sort of back and forth here. Like, oh, you know, we'll park cars on the street. And then, you know, you'll have to be, you know, auditioning girls in the back of a Honda, baby. Like, just the way they're just kind of, like, threatening this guy. And he's just basically like, oh, and all she has to do is talk. Um, so, I don't know. Just a random little fun scene that I have. Uh, meanwhile, we've got Kim. Here she is, old disheveled Kim. She's at Joey's school. Here's a little demon child. We haven't seen him in a while, have we? Uh, I can't remember the last time we saw him physically. Have you missed little demon Joey? Uh, he's, you know what? I did miss him, to be honest. <laughs> really? Because it's been a while since I've been on. It's been a while since I've been on here. So I mean, it was cool to see him and Kim's their little their relationships. Cool. We actually have so. not seen him since the the finale of season two and Zeus wept. So this is the first time we've seen him all season. I wasn't. I didn't, did I watch that? No, no, I wasn't no you weren't with us in that one. And just yeah, as yeah, so yeah, and as a spoiler, um, this actually is his fourth last episode on Third Watch. So Wait, um, what? I mean, he's like he doesn't die or anything. I mean, the kid's still around. No, no, but I'm like, what? no, I know the way I react. But as in, as like, in, wait, on, no. as in on screen, we will not see him after season three. No, that's what I mean. Like, wait, yeah. what? I didn't realize. No. I- Christopher oh, Scott Fidel is uh, only credited up until Unleashed, which is the 20th episode oh, wow. of this season, which is the second part of the ER crossover episode. So, um, yeah, that, and I remember that scene. That's that's the scene where him and um, Jimmy are in the mirror brushing their teeth. You know, if I had a million dollars. Um, so, yeah, that is, we've only got three more episodes after this episode to put up with Demon Child. So <laughs> wow, no, no. that's why I was like, no, I didn't think he died. I know he didn't die. I was just no, like, no, I didn't realize film that he like was gone from the show. It's, I mean, it's kind I mean, of I it's he was, yeah, and it's yeah. it's not like what they do with um with Emily uh and just cast her as a different actress and kind of write new storylines. I mean, they they it's kind of like Charlie with Yokus and Fred. They kind of think, gone. he's gone, <laughs> and then he's randomly back in at the end of season six as a new actor. It's like, oh, hi Charlie, I remember you. Um, Joey like just isn't there. Kid comes to, like one of the known characters, like he's the random kid. Like I don't know, he's not dirty kid. He's not really dirty kid, but he's like that. Ran- he's like he's like best friends with dirty kid now because <laughs> he just he's not there. He's like not there. I like, think it's one of these things though that they do with children though. That like you know, like we had the ongoing joke in our Nip Tuck episodes about Annie. She's only there when the plot calls for her there, and kind of Joey's the same. He's only there when the plot calls for him. But like it's you know moving forward, like season four, season five, like. I mean, spoiler alert, Jimmy doesn't leave till season five and Kim technically leaves in episode one of season six. So it's kind of like they're still there and, like, Joey's still around. He still gets mentioned. You just don't see him. And I think kind of that is more of a thing of how they change this show. It's the fact that 
we do start to get more into the the job side of things rather than the characters. So there's just not enough time to show kind of the side quests, you know. And plus, season four, you got to remember, Cruz comes into it, so we've got a whole lot of you know different storylines. Yeah. And obviously, Jimmy and Kim and the paramedics and the firefighters slowly get phased out slightly season four onwards. So um, yeah, there's just not they're just not there. And like, and plus, when we're getting storylines around Yokus's, you know, around Emily every second episode about getting stuck in the fucking snow and getting robbed at gunpoint. <laughs> like, I mean, you know, where's where's Joey? You know, he's he's gone from demon child to angel child because he's Emily, the new well, demon I'm child. Charlie's gone in a heartbeat. I just, I mean, like, Charlie again. D- Dirty Kid and Charlie are probably somewhere sharing, like, a chocolate bar just talking about shit about the show. Just, I don't know. But um, Dirty Kid's just <laughs> dead in a gutter. Who cares? D- Dirty Kid died the day Bobby died. And Dana. Dana's also there, too. You know, I watched, you know what I watched recently? I watched um, uh, Ant-Man for the first time. I didn't realise Bobby Cannavale was in Ant-Man. And, um, oh, like, he's got a fairly prominent role. He's a cop in it. And I'm just, like, thinking the whole time, like, where's Dirty Kid, Bobby? Like, you know, you survived, you survived getting shot by Paulie, and here you are, you're alive, you're helping out Ant-Man. But where's Dirty Kid? <laughs> Oh man, that's funny. I uh, haven't seen that, but I it's I know good. my friend loves it. So it's good. It's it's very good. Anyway, so Kim's up. He's demon child. Uh, she's gonna take him back home, and uh, you know I, I will say as much as we rip shit into little demon child here, and we've never really been against Christopher Scott Fidel's acting. I mean, he's actually a decent actor for what like a nine year old and eight year old. He's, he's a little cute. Yeah. Well, I mean, not now. But- He's, he's, a, he's a little cute. He's, he's got some something about him, and I, I'm always very critical about little kids who are terrible actors. He's not really one of them, just the way he's like, you know, are you still sick? And, oh, yeah. um, you know, obviously he talks about, um, what, did, what does Kim say? Like, oh, I've got you a new Pokemon game. Oh, cool. Um, so cool. And uh, then Kim's mum's there, and just, you know, don't just think before you do anything you regret. Um, which, I mean, it kind of it, it makes it interesting here, kind of moving forward, the fact that we'll get this. I mean, I'm not going to take away from the great scene that is uh, Jimmy and Kim in a minute, but like, I mean, I, I just, I just, I don't know. I, I just kind of feel like, does she just allow Kim to take him, and then kind of why isn't Jimmy going off at Catherine and rather than Kim later on? So, um, anyway, so we'll get back. Her to- daughter, she True. knows her daughter's not going to hurt 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 Joey. It's just they don't. Yeah, Jimmy should know that too, really. But I guess he's panicking, this- but. Yeah, he, you know what? Here's the thing. Like, I know I'm giving crap about Jimmy, but like how what he's done. But I kind of get it because at the end of the day, Kim, her mistake. Well, they're both dangerous. Like jo- Jimmy with Joey in the car, but then Kim, I get that too. So I mean, I can get where he's coming from. But at the same time, like you said, he should see it. Like she's she would never hurt Joey. Yeah. No matter what she did, she would never hurt Joey. So yeah, we'll yeah. get to that scene in a minute. It's a great scene. Uh, so. <laughs> yeah. Yokus, uh, they're searching for Maisie. They go to the place where obviously she lives. They see her leaving with a with a child and kind of. Oh, it's actually sorry, it's Sully and Davis. But then Yokus comes around the corner and they sort of all block her off and ask her the question. You know, I don't know nothing. And you know, obviously she's sort of complaining about how I'm meant to work if there's a dead guy around. Um, and then kind of, I like Yokus is here. Like I've always treated you fair, Maisie. Like you know, come on now, let's be, let's just talk to me. Um, and then she says that another girl saw the whole thing. Her name is Crystal. She's new. Um, she's got a black wig on. She comes out at 10 and kind of just, again, Yoko's this nice little thing here where she's like, thank you, Maisie. No, I mean it. Thank you. So we know that, um, you know, Crystal, obviously, um, is the one they're going to look for. Um, and we kind of get that line about, you know, Davis again implying that Bosco might be guilty. Like, oh, that would help. Oh, it depends on what she saw. Like, oh, it could be Bosco. 
No. Um, anyway, so kind of we've got late at night, we've got Davis and Sally waiting, and Davis just has a bit of a conversation about how he's never had a roommate before, just kind of, you know, nice little moment there. But then um, I love their little joke about one of the, the prostitutes. I don't think that one's a woman. No, I don't, definitely don't think that one's a woman. Um, but then they, um, they see a car pull up, uh, a lady gets out with a black wig, um, and I just, you know... Clearly, these cops just don't give a shit for prostitutes because the way Sully's just like, oh, go back home to your wife, buddy. Like, you know. Um, uh, don't get me into the debate around that, but anyway, whatever. So, uh, they get Crystal, um, pick her up and put her in the back of the car. And I love that shot they get of, like, the city when they put her in the back of the car and um, we see the, the, excuse me, the Chrysler building. It's a beautiful shot. I'm just hiccuping in the middle of this very professional bend. Um... Great shot of the city. I really do love it. Um, please interrupt me if there's anything you want to add on these scenes here, Brandy, if I'm just gelling over these quickly for you. Anything to add just before I move on? No, I'll go for it. No? All right, cool. Just thought you might have an opinion there on Crystal or in a black wig or something like that. Um, <laughs> but uh, we have Bosco. He's got a cab. He says, uh, where to? Oh, where will $5 get me? Um, and then we get the long time no see, Dad. And kind of, I, I like uh, this interchange that we kind of get between these two scenes of obviously Bosco talking to his dad in the car, and then obviously Davis and Sully talking to um to this girl. I'll just go over the 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 prostitute scene with Crystal. So they're obviously you know back and forth, and they're kind of like you know, oh, where did you run away from? And you know, are you old enough? And take the wig off, and kind of you know, oh, what did you see last night? And you know, I didn't see anything. And then Davis is kind of like, look, you know, we can help you. We can get your hot meal. We can get you off the street. Um, and all this sort of stuff. So yeah, they're, they're kind of trying to help her out. Um, and I'm just looking here, the actress who plays Crystal Steffi Lineberg, if I'm saying her name correctly, um, hasn't really done much since third watch. Um, she was in an episode of ER. Uh, she was in Jag. She was in Law and Order. <laughs> Best known as... Oh, she Gloria in Richie Rich. Is that her? Looks completely different. Oh, my God, it is too. Holy crap. There's a random thing for you. <laughs> do you, what, do you yeah. ever see Richie Rich? Heck yeah. Are we talking about like the one like 19... The Macaulay, the Macaulay Culkin Richie yes. Rich, right? Yes, now, the, original, the original one, yes. Now, yes, now, yes. now, remember in that there's the, uh, the, the main sort of little red-headed girl who kind of is befriends... Like, um, like the mother, oh, you'd know her if you saw her. Her name's Gloria. Like, she's the, she's the only girl out of all the ones that kind of in it. And like, you know, yeah, I'm, you know what? That's, I'm like, nope, I'm watching that this week if I find, I'm you will see it. You will it. see it. Like, I'm, I've Googled her name right now. Yeah. And like, as soon as you see it, you're like, yeah, I know who Ben's talking about. I love Richie Rich. And completely blown away that she doesn't even look anything like her. But apparently this is, this actress, here you go. Steffi Leidenberg is is older is older Gloria from Richie Rich. Boom, <laughs> <laughs> boom. There you go. We wow. Got, there we have it. Because I was about to say she's hot. Um, but as in in Third Watch, not in in Richie Rich. That'd be a bit inappropriate. But um, <laughs> oh my goodness, I'm just I'm just blown away by the fact that this is Gloria from um Richie Rich. Anyway. So, clearly, <laughs> clearly her time on Richie Rich didn't play out. She didn't get to hang out with Richie Rich. She became a street worker in New York. So, um, there's a bit of a sad story for those Richie Rich fans out there. Um, yep. I, okay. Yep. I'm sorry. I'm late. But, yeah, I see her. Yep, okay. There you go. Thank you very much. Uh, Richie Rich, coming soon to the Oz Network. Um, so, yeah, obviously, Davis is going to help us. She just needs to talk. So, we kind of just cut away from that. And um, 
I, I like this scene. I like Bosco in the taxi talking to his dad and just kind of, you know, saying about, you know, the responsibility for your screw-ups, you know, I'm, I'm here chasing bad guys I can never catch. And his dad's obviously not saying a word, just driving and kind of looking out and kind of, you just see his eyes sort of in the corner of the mirror. Uh, we kind of get a bit of a retcon from that scene earlier on where it was about the window, like I can't sleep with my window open. It's kind of a real, like, harrowing, like, story about how, you know, um, he would be banging on the door trying to get led back in so he could beat up mom and then kind of he'd be begging at his window like, oh, you know, I love you, son, I love you, son, let me in. So Bosco would believe him and he would push through him just so he could beat up his mom even more. Um, yeah, it's very just deep story. And then kind of um, pulls up, uh, you know, he says, oh, that's $5, gives him the $5 and kind of I love how he gets out of the car and he kind of sticks his head back in the things like, oh, you know, that whole World Trade Center thing, in case you're wondering, I'm okay. Thanks for calling. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just so, like, I mean, look, Ugh. this is in the conversation yep. for a top five. I think there's a scene in this episode which is more a top five moment than this. This is maybe a, a top 10, top 15 moment uh, of this season. I, I, I don't think it quite makes the top five. But, um, yeah, it's it's a, it's powerful. And it's kind of, it's what's interesting about this kind of, as I was saying about how, we do get to see Bosco's dad in season five and it's, you know, it's a different actor, but like, I guess you can sort of get away with it just because again, you don't see this guy's face fully. You only kind of see the side of his face. So, um, yeah, I think there's kind of, you can sort of excuse it slightly. And even then like, you can excuse it because they again, recast Bobby's mum and Kim's mum. But yeah, I don't know. This is just, wow. This scene is just something else. I, man, I tell you, like, you might not remember his face, but you remember how much of a dick he is. Like, he's just like, five, that'll be $5. Like, he just, whew. I mean, he's such a great actor, whoever that was. I mean, it's just the interaction between them both. Like, you just, it just makes you kind of, it just pissed me off. I'm just like, Bosco, I kind of want you to do something crazy right now. <laughs> but, oh, man, that's a powerful scene right there. Definitely a top 15 moment, especially when it comes to Bosco. The uh, the actor here, uh, so there's, there's he's uncredited. He's just listed as Boscarelli, um, John Fiore, who actually I've heard that name before. He's been in uh, well, it, yeah, I say I've heard that. He's been in a few things actually. Meet the Parents, um, Brotherhood, uh, Sopranos. Um, yeah, he's been in a few things, but um, yeah, for sure. And like I kind of I just I like the way he kind of doesn't say anything because I guess kind of he's used to being berated about this, no doubt his entire life. So he's kind of just, you know, he's just going to sit there and sort of listen to it. And what else, what can he say? Um, but yeah. Sorry for being such a punk. I'm just kidding. I don't know. (laughs) We, we sort of might get that kind of season five, but, um, yeah, like Bosco's dad as a character never exactly is Mr. Nice guy. Cause even when he sort of comes back into it and we think he's good, he kind of does a real dick thing at the end, so... Um, I don't remember, so that's going to be interesting. Yeah, episode. so just just bookmark that note. We won't really get Bosco's dad again for another two seasons, but uh, anyway, great scene. Um, we have um, Crystal here with Yokus, and um, obviously she kind of tells the truth here about what she saw. Uh, she saw uh, a woman get out of a car, put a gun in a bag... And we find out that the woman was black, she had dreadlocks, and they were long. So we now know officially, kind of off this, that obviously it was the mother of um, Sequana, uh, Rita, who uh, is obviously the suspect, and we're going to get that... Uh, Shaquana, sorry, not Sequana, uh, that we will see in just a few moments. 
But um, this scene, now I'm going to say this scene right now, I, I think this is a top five moment of this season. This is a, this is a scene and a half. Um, thoroughly well acted, and I think kind of it just, I don't know, this is just a very important scene, I feel, for this season in general. And it kind of, I feel like we always talk up scenes uh, in the show that are mainly like police scenes. But I mean, in terms of kind of like, you know, a non-police scene, this is this is a deep scene. So um, we have uh, Kim... Uh, with Demon Child chilling, uh, eating mac and cheese, um, and kind of like Joey here. Can you still take a bath? I I can't take baths because I might get sick like you. And it's kind of like, oh, okay, well, no, that's all right. And they're just, you know, typical Joey. Then he's just, you know, talking about this all seriousness. Petey built a ramp. <laughs> it's like, what? <laughs> like, is this what kids are like, Brandy, at that age? Like, they're just going to start being all like, Mommy, I love you. Petey built a ramp. <laughs> Oh, always, all the time. <laughs> Just random, random. It's, uh, it's cute, though. <laughs> yeah, it's cute. He doesn't do it in an annoying way. He does do it in a cute way. Kind of they're back in the little fourth, and all of a sudden we hear bang, 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 bang at the door. Bang, 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 bang. Uh, and then, you know, it's Jimmy. Uh, and I... I, it's just, wow, like, he's just banging at the door, give me Mac Joey, you know, you kidnapped him, you know, and just yelling at each other and kind of, you know, this is where you try to kill himself, he needs to be with me, and just a back and forth screaming at each other, you know, I'll break the chain, and I'll call the police, and she gets on the phone and kind of, you know, it just, yeah, just calls the cops, and then he storms off, and then just Joey's look on his face. This is where I will definitely uh, give huge props to uh, Christopher Scott Fidel. Just the facial acting here, like, you feel he's terrified. Um, and he just runs away, and then just the way, like, Kim puts a hand on her mouth and starts crying. Um, wow. I mean, this is just so well acted. It's so tense, and the, you just don't expect it to happen, but, like, you believe it will happen in some way, because, like, you know Jimmy's not going to hurt Kim. You know, you know he's not like that. But, like, you can also understand kind of just, like, his frustration with this moment and just kind of you can understand the, the fear from Kim. It's just kind of just the back and forth here. I mean, this is a top five moment of this season. This is such a great scene. It is. I mean, I don't really – I wouldn't necessarily say I, – I don't I don't really care for Joey's – well, the kids, his acting. Just because, like, I, I don't know. Like, when he ran, like, after it was done, then he ran off. I, like, I wish they were done, like, right in the middle – they panned over to him and like his facial expressions and then he ran or he hid but it was like after the fact that all that went down then he hit ran but no between uh jim and jimmy and kim hands down the best like you really feel like something's gonna happen you feel like he might do something like you know he wouldn't but like you said just the fact that it's like it's just there like the frustration it's just powerful you feel like between the both of them like i'm gonna call the cops on you if you don't stop and kim scared jimmy's like <laughs> oh no! It's brilliant. It's a good it's, one. It's, I mean, it's it's just it's so well acted, and just everything about this scene is just so good. And I mean, it's just uh, I can't talk about it enough. So like, I've I've noted this down top five. I feel this is you know definitely got to be in the conversation, if not definitely in the top five. So um, yeah, it's it's a very powerful scene. Uh, and kind of obviously after that, we we sort of get um, you know Kim going around locking all the windows and the doors and. Um, you know, Joey kind of just, you know, oh, you're afraid daddy's going to take me? And she's just kind of like, you know, everything's going to be all right. Um, so, yeah. But then we get the scene here where Yokus knocks on the door. She's not banging on any doors, breaking down chains. <laughs> Give me back, Joey. He's just Yokus' turn to yell at Kim. Um, she's at Rita and Shaquana's house. Um, and we see that Rita's moving and she's all, you know, dismissive and kind of, you know, you could have helped her. And obviously, you know, fair enough. But then, um, clearly, Yokus is like, oh, 
we have a witness who saw you shoot him. Um, and, you know, uh, she comes in and basically um, saying that, uh, look, let me in. This is the only way I, I can help you, both of you. I owe it to both of you. Um, and we kind of hear the story that AJ came to the house, uh, was going to work out a deal, drop the rape charges, we'll sue the city for the mishandling of it. Um, you know, we just had to drop the rape and then kind of she obviously talks about how uh, he, she w- wouldn't let him do it, so she wouldn't let him uh, rape anybody else's daughter. And then we obviously have Shaquana come in and kind of, yeah, nice little uh, scene between these two. So we're back at the um, the precinct. She's written a letter, a confession. Yokus gets her to sign it. Uh, and then she basically tells her, right, I'm going to go, this is the detectives. They're going to come in and talk to you. You don't say a word. Just say you need to speak to an attorney. That's all you need to say. So I was like, okay, cool. So um, we then <laughs> we then get her going in to the detectives, our esteemed Hall in Newcastle, the worst detectives in New York. Um, <laughs> like, again, these are beat cops going around the city, getting information out of prostitutes. Why aren't the detectives doing this? Like, this is just... Like, it's great for us watching this as viewers because we don't give a shit about Detectives Hall in Newcastle, but they're terrible detectives if freaking Yokus and Gussler are getting this information out of these people. Um, so, yeah. So she she hands the confession, um, you know, says, back off, Bosco. I asked her, she told me, you know, here it is. And then they obviously say, did you Mirandize her? Um... And she kind of turns to Gusler and is like, did I? And kind of poor old Gusler's like, shit, shit, what do I do? Shit, what do I do? <laughs> tell the truth, tell the truth. I don't think she did. No, she didn't. Um, and then basically Yoke is just kind of like, oh, well, look, you know, I got it out of her pretty easily. I'm sure you can question her. Uh, you can get it out of her. Pretty simple. Uh, and then kind of her just like real little, oh, I hate the system. Um, and then we kind of see walking past the room and we see the, um, the, the detectives going off and she just keeps saying, oh, I need an attorney. I need an attorney. So basically, Bosco's played them here. Ah, uh, sorry, Yokus has played them here to basically um, the loopholes in the system because she didn't, you know, read her, read her her rights that she might get away with this because she's not going to admit to it. Even though I don't like, look, I'm not a lawyer. Uh, I don't understand the system. I, I mean, is this? I don't know if you know anything about it, but I mean, is this really a thing that like she's written a confession and signed it? But because she wasn't read her rights, it's invalid, so the police then need to get it. it That is such a weird loophole. I believe it is. I mean, I know it's a big thing on on all the TV shows, not just, especially cop shows. I think it's huge. I mean, don't hold me to it, but I believe it's a huge thing. And, you know, confessions, they could be like, it it was cursed. Or she could say something like, you know, I mean, there's so many ways to get out of a confession. Like, you know, I was beat into it. I was cursed into it, you know, or threatened into it, you know. I mean... Which is weird. There's so many people. Like, yeah. I, I think... Like, and and but for all Australians listening, please don't take this as gospel. I don't know, again, I don't know if this is just an American thing. Because I'm pretty sure in Australia we don't do the whole you have the right to remain silent. Like, that's either... Oh, wow. I, th- that's, I believe, an American thing. I, I'm 90% certain they don't do that in Australia. They might have their own version of it. But um, I think we had a... I think we had a police but. officer come and talk to us in school or maybe when I was in the scouts or something and one of the kids asked that and they said, no, we don't say it like they do on TV. Um, but, like, again, there might be another version. I again, I don't know. I know kind of, and this is no disrespect to America, but we don't sue people in Australia as much as you do in America. So um, I think it's slightly <laughs> different. But, yeah. Because, like, I don't, 
I, I want to say we have to do it here because it's like, again, it's like on every cop show. But again, like, I don't know. It's like, I've never been arrested. I have never seen like somebody, I've seen people arrested, but like not enough. I, I wasn't like close enough to like care what was being said. I mean, I mean, I will say though, and I know we're going to disagree on this one, but I say like this scene when Yokis goes to the door and she's like, you would never know how much I wish I could take that day back. But let me help you now. Like, I feel like this was, like, more powerful than a Jimmy and Kim. I'm not saying that it's more important because they're the main characters. But actually, this scene is the one that hits me the most. Like, this whole scene right here is the reason why, like, like I'm just like, wow, this, this episode was powerful. powerful. Like, how Faith is just, like, it's just, I don't know, it's just powerful to me. More, more so than that. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I definitely agree with you. It's powerful, uh, 100%. Um, I just, yeah, I don't. I, yeah, I do disagree with you. I don't think it's more powerful than the Jimmy's. I just think that on the grand scheme of things, you're going to forget this scene at the end of six seasons of Third Watch when you're not going to forget the Jimmy Kim scene, if you know what I mean. Um, I forget that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's in, for the, the overall storyline of Third Watch, I think it's more important. Like, this is like, you know, yeah, again, if we were doing a top 20, top 15 of this season, for sure this would be in it. But, I mean, I, I don't think this sort of, yeah. Um, but, you know. I'm talking about, like, anything i'm just saying like in terms of like this episode itself for me i'm not saying like it's gonna be like a top 15 scene i'm just saying like for this episode like alone for me i believe yeah. like this storyline was most powerful well, in this episode. the, the one me. thing the one thing that takes me away from this scene is kind of like when bosco shows up and obviously you know uh the whole like oh i've got 10 messages what's going on you know i'll explain i'm just gonna take shaquana home and then just kind of like you know hey shaquana it wasn't you it was me you know i couldn't let myself to you <laughs> like I don't have a problem with the slap. I have a problem that she smiles after she slaps him. That just feels out of place. You shouldn't be smiling. Why are you smiling? Like you got raped. She like vin- uh, what's the word vin- vindicated. No, but I, I don't. I don't. But but would she? Like if you've been raped, you've been brutally attacked, and you get to slap a guy who kind of was a bit of a dick to you and kind of did that. Does that make everything better? That's kind of how to me it's implied in this probably scene. Probably not. But I know probably takes away the sting from her like you know not being believed i mean the one person that's supposed to save her didn't save her you know i get i get i get it i get it but i just i I just i see your side too like i see like why is she smiling like don't you think she'll still be traumatized you know and for me to stop is kind of awkward because she's in front of a police station and she just slapped a cop and then i mean it's a tv show so of course like there's nothing gonna happen you know faith just looks it off like that's gonna leave a mark but i mean i don't know i just I guess I look at it like maybe she just feels a little bit like that's for not believing me, you know, or I don't yeah, know. I just, maybe I, just she- <laughs> I think, I think like the scene would have worked better had she slapped him, had still had like a, you know, a sad look on her face and just gotten in the car. Like, I don't, I think, yeah, yeah, did, like that's, that's where it should it just end. Like, I don't think she needs to smile. And that takes me away from the scene. I think it's just, it's just a tiny, tiny nitpick, but it just, I don't know. It just, it just ruins the moment. That's where I'm kind of like well, not part, sold yes, on it as much. But- that part, I think from the part when Faith comes out and she's like, your mom's going to need to know that you're okay so she can yeah. focus on that. From that moment on, yes, it's not as powerful. But, like, the door, the moment Faith goes to the door, between the moment when she's like, I wish I could take this that day back, but let me help you now, to the moment when, to where she's like, did you, did, did you Mirandize her, you know? And Faith was like, I don't know. Like, I feel like that moment right there, like, that those scenes right there, between that moment and that time frame, so that's what's powerful to me. But, yeah. I the think slap, I didn't really care for her, the thing so. also that kind of takes me away from this whole scene, which I like, I love this show. I love this show so much, but th- this is just so cheesily bad is like, 
when she slaps him, and then, like, as you said, Yoka says, oh, that'll leave a mark, and drives off. Then the way Bosco sort of walks off and goes, doesn't everything. And then it's kind of like, you know, we hear, how you remind me. Like, it just, oh. <laughs> it just, to me, I'm like, really, like, this is season six bullshit. Like, it just, like, it just feels so cheesy. Yeah, you know, <laughs> you know, yeah, no, I mean, like, I, I think we can greet, we're back on greeting terms. Because, again, like, after that moment, I just didn't really care for it either, you know, like. I, and I agree. Like, I think it would have been more powerful if she slapped him and was, like, crying because, like, she's overwhelmed, you know? Like, yeah. I agree with you. It would have been, like, you know, but she's smiling. And, yeah, but... Look, and again, it's yeah, it's, it's, it's a strong episode, but, like, yeah, I don't know. There's just a few bits in it. But So that just really ended on oh, a yeah. bit of a, like, oh, really, note And anyway, so um, there we go. That's <laughs> Childhood Memories. Now, we get into our Evil Review section and kind of... I mentioned last week, and I'll let you go first here, but you actually know, I'll, I'll shut up and let you go first. Let me... <laughs> <laughs> you got to buy it, rent it, or bin it. Don't let me talk over you because I do that a lot. I'll buy it. You're going to buy it? Okay, shit. right. Fair enough. Hey, what about you? What, I mean, <laughs> I don't want to bin it. I mean, I would I would rent it, but I mean, I would buy it because so far we're in th- the third season. I thought it was a cool. It was, I don't know. Like, I don't want to buy it because it's a rape episode, and that's never, that's always a sensitive touch, like, subject for anyone. Like, for anyone, even if they haven't been raped, I mean, it's just one of those like episodes that's just always sensitive. So it's like, oh man, it's so, so uh, touching. So like, you want to rent it, but I'm gonna buy it though. It's 21 in a row for yeah. the second person on the show buying it. Five in a row for you, but yeah, if we add up Darvell's uh, in a row, that's 21 in a row in total that uh, you and Darvell between you have bought. You have neither of you have rented an episode since history. Uh, which was Darvell. You actually, just quickly, you haven't rented an episode. I know you've kind of been a bit sporadic since season one, but uh, your last non-buy was season one, episode 20, a thousand pounds of light, a thousand points of light. So, um... I don't remember which one that's about. So so my streak heading into this is, uh, what am I at in terms of the buys in a row? I'm on 15 in a row. Uh, yeah, I'm breaking that streak today. I'm only renting this one. Um, I just think it's Damn. it's not a bad episode, uh, so I'm not going to bin it because I think there's you know the the Kim and Jimmy stuff, the scene in particular is enough to to jump it over that buy it uh, the bin it line. Also, the introduction of Michael Boscarelli and the scene in the taxi. There's there's too many strong scenes in this to bin this episode. Um, but there's just not a, like, it's just, some of it's just hammy for me. I just, that, that scene at the end, I just, I hate that, you know, it'll leave a mark, doesn't everything, how you remind me, like, I just, I don't know, I just, just, eh. I don't like the smile after she slaps him, um, you know, it just, eh, it just kind of feels a little bit, you know, eh, in places as well. Uh, again, I would watch this episode over a lot of, you know, so many shows out there, even their buy-its in their seasons. Absolutely, um, yeah. But, like, I think kind of if you classify this as a two-parter, kind of between this and He Said, She Said, He Said, She Said was a brilliant episode. Uh, and, like, kind of just the way the acting between Bosco and Yokes and kind of the way you played it, you didn't need to go for your, your montages or your cheesy one-liners. Uh, whereas this week they kind of reverted to that, which kind of, it's a bit of a selling point for what we're going to get in the future episodes, which again, will work some episodes and some they just don't work. So yeah, I'm breaking my streak. I haven't rented, I haven't not bought anything since season two, episode 13, Duty. So I've nearly gone an entire season in a row, but I've broken my record, uh, I've broken my streak, and uh, I've brought the yellow back to the screen here. I've got to rent it. So um, hmm, there we go. 
There mm. we go. All righty. Yeah. Da- da- Darvel will yeah. be happy that you at least didn't break his buyout streak there, Brandy. So, um. <laughs> I mean, no, I mean, I'm happy he didn't break mine as well. I mean, <laughs> hey, teamwork right there. But, I mean, I mean, because I get right you want to rent it. Like, again, like, I kind of want, I wanted to rent it, but I'm going to buy it just because it's been a while since I've been on here. And it's like, I'm going to buy it. So, no, we, but yeah. each person on this is entitled to their own opinions. I mean, obviously, we've had episodes where I've binned and other people have bought. It's been the other way around. Like we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna take different episodes uh, in different ways. I mean, obviously, the only one I've binned of Third Watch Demolition Derby, you bought it. So, um, yeah, it obviously comes down to a matter of opinion. Next week, uh, Act Brave. We're gonna do that by doing an episode uh, called Act Brave. Now, um, this is kind of our first sort of Taylor centric episode in a way. Like, I mean, we. We sort of mentioned how after season two, when it comes to these episode-centric sort of around a solo character, that they happen, but they don't. So, like, it happens. Like, we get sort of a bit of Taylor narration, um, and it's kind of a, a fair bit on Taylor, but um, it's still not kind of like season two where everything's about her. So, um, you know, it's, it's some good stuff with Taylor. Um, obviously, um, we've got uh, a bit of uh, Davis and... Uh, Thai stuff happening in the next episode, which is quite interesting. Tatiana's back. We haven't had her in a while, so uh, get ready for some Tatiana. Um, I love it. We get a we get some pretty tense action in the next episode as well. Um, and also we've got Kim and versus Jimmy. Now I also want people in the next week to pay attention to Kim and Jimmy because not only do we get a very very famous actor playing a person in their custody battle, very famous actor. Well, I always forget she's in this in Third Watch. But we will get, and I don't know if you know, I don't want you to, if you do know who I'm talking about, I don't want you to say anything until we talk about this next week. We will get a future main star of this show. Well, not, she's never really technically a main star because she's not billed on the main credits, but she's a main star. She marries one of the main stars. She's one of the main star's wife in real life. Uh, we, this is a classic case of Third Watch having an actor playing somebody different in different seasons, and this to me is maybe the most questionable one out of all of them because of who she will later become in this show. Anyway, keep an eye out for that. Did you pick up on that when you watched this? There's a few people in this episode. One of them was like very famous, and then. But I didn't know. If you, I didn't know if you picked up on the the person I'm talking about who becomes sort of like a main person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In this show. No, that's what I'm you saying. Did, yeah, you did. there's like. There's a main, there's one that's going to be a main character later yep. on, or, yep. you know, and then there's going to be, there's one that's super famous right now. Mm-hmm. Oh, mean, she's huge. She's very big. She's one of my she, favorite actresses I mean, as well, so. Uh, what's her, what's her name? Janelle, like one of our listeners. I mean, I'm sure she knows who she is as well. And, mm-hmm. Okay, you know, there's uh, Bob. You, you know who we're talking about. Uh, anyway, that's next week. That's Act Brave. Uh, you can act brave by liking us on Facebook, following us on Twitter, uh, subscribing to us on iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher, and, uh, yeah, keep in contact with us. Let us know your thoughts and, uh, all your feels around Third Watch. It's good to have you back, Brandy. You'll be back with us, uh, for the next few episodes at least, so, uh, you'll be on the next one. Um, my name is Ben, and you're an odd man. Oh, well, damn. Thank you. <laughs> my name's Brandy, and... Stay tuned for next week. Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.